Hello, I am Andrew Gentile. And I'm Ariana. And you're listening to Behind the Flicks. This show is all about me sharing as many facts as I know about filmmaking and directors and behind-the-scenes info about movies and whatnot <gasps> to Ariana. And you'll join us for the ride. So, Ariana, can we get a review of this episode's film? Ooh, review of this episode's film is Back to the Future, which I'm pretty sure almost every person our age and above knows about. Um, this is a great movie. I hadn't seen it since I was uh, probably a teenager. And it is nonstop fun. You got Michael J. Fox playing Marty, little teenager from like a kind of a deadbeat family that nobody expects much out of. But he's a bit of a dreamer. And then he's got this lady that he's freshly fallen in love with. Just in time for his very good uh, oddball friend, Doc Brown, to send him accidentally to the future after he gets killed by uh, gang members, <laughs> more or less. And um, man, is it awesome. He ends up messing with his parents' marriage, puts his life at risk just to go to the past and uh, do something fun. So it was an extremely fun movie, very 80s. I was just going to say very 80s. That's, that was my first reaction when I saw it, when I, the last time I saw it, very 80s. Is this where, because that scene in the very beginning, he like yeah. strums the guitar and then is blown away. Is mm-hmm. that like, because that's kind of a common, uh, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like fun rock tidbit, like you strum yeah, the guitar like and something explodes. Or... Is that where it came from or did it before it? this movie oh i i i'm i'll be totally honest with the with the listeners uh i am not a historian in rock moments in movies <laughs> i'll put it like that that's that's where my that's where my film threshold ends or co- pop culture threshold ends damn andrew i need you to know everything i know i'm a disappointment <laughs> and so ariana what grade would you give back to the future oh a plus Wow, the first A-plus on this podcast. Oh, yeah, easy win. is too much fun. Nice. Nice. Mm -hmm. And the casting was so flawlessly beautiful. (laughs) Nice. All right, you ready for the facts? Yes, give them to me, please. I'm excited to know this one. Although Robert Zemeckis is now one of the most successful film directors in history due to such films as Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Forrest Gump, and Castaway, There was a time where success for him wasn't guaranteed. His first two films, I Want to Hold Your Hand and Use Cars, failed at the box office. On top of those two commercial flops, Zemeckis had also co-written the poorly received Steven Spielberg film, 1941. All those financial failures made it unlikely that the next script he had written would get produced. The script in question? Back to the Future. The idea for Back to the Future began when Zemeckis's co-writer, Bob Gale, had found his father's high school yearbook. Gale then asked himself if he and his father would have been friends if they were in high school at the same time. When Gale shared this thought with Zemeckis, they both agreed that it would be a good basis for a time travel story. A real-life incident also inspired Zemeckis and Gale in the creation of the time travel story. When Zemeckis and Gale pitched I Want to Hold Your Hand to Ned Tannen, then an executive at Universal, Tannen acted aggressively accusing the writing duo of trying to create an anti-Semitic film, despite the fact that Gale is Jewish. Due to this incident, Zemeckis and Gale borrowed his last name, Tannen, and gave it to Back to the Future's antagonist, Biff Tannen. Oh, wow. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it's, uh, so it's like a little, little gentle ribbing at this executive. 
Yeah, definitely. It's like, well, you don't have creative control over our movie, so... <laughs> Despite the fact that, by Zemeckis' account, every studio initially turned down Back to the Future, Spielberg was enthusiastic about the project and wanted to produce it. However, Spielberg had produced his previous two films. So, if Spielberg produced Back to the Future and that also did not succeed, Zemeckis rightly pointed out that his career might well be over. Spielberg said, you're probably right. So, Zemeckis went off to make another film, 1984's Romancing the Stone. That one was mildly popular, right? I feel like I know that one. Romancing the Stone, starring Michael Douglas, Kathleen Turner, and Danny DeVito, was a critical and commercial success. After this success, studios were now flocking to work with Zemeckis. Zemeckis went back to Spielberg, who had believed in Back to the Future since its inception, and asked him to now produce the film. Spielberg agreed. Even though Romancing the Stone was a success, Zemeckis was not yet given carte blanche over his projects, as he would in later years. One of the concessions that the head of Universal, Sid Scheinberg, demanded of Zemeckis was a title change. Instead of Back to the Future, Scheinberg suggested Spaceman from Pluto in reference to a fake comic book that is held by a child in the film. Remember oh that gosh. Remember that scene in the barn where... Uh, where uh, where the DeLorean goes to the barn and then the then kid says, look, it's like my comic book. Yeah, and it's like the alien looks like him. That's the name of the comic book. Spaceman oh. from Pluto. And so Scheinberg, he thought Back to the Future makes no sense, which it does. Yeah. Let's call Spaceman from Pluto. <laughs> what a terrible idea. <laughs> because Scheinberg's felt strongly about this title change, Zemeckis went to Spielberg, his now executive producer, and asked him how they should handle this problem. Spielberg's solution was to send Scheinberg a memo thanking the studio head for the laughs. Scheinberg never brought up the name change again. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so it's kind of like Spielberg was totally hoodwinking. Yeah. If that's the term. He's like, oh, no one's taking you seriously. <laughs> well, <laughs> I just thought you ought to know. Well, everybody was like horrified. Well, in reality, everybody was like horrified by this title change because everybody loved Back to the Future as a title. Scheinberg was the only one, and so Spielberg was like, well, we'll just say we all laughed about it, and yeah. Yeah. When you when Steven Spielberg uh, points out that you're being a little bit ridiculous, you listen to him. Exactly right. A concession Zemeckis and company did have to abide by was the budget. Mm-hmm. In the original script, the climax of the film did not take place on the clock tower in the town's main street. Instead... In order to travel back in time, the characters Marty and Doc traveled to an atomic testing site in Nevada. <laughs> so his hometown is all like a big, um, it's all just a, what's the word I'm looking for, Andrew? Set. <laughs> it's just well, a yeah. holographed oh, set. Oh, oh, you mean the town square? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they made that as a set. Yeah. Okay. Built. They, I, I actually went to the Universal Studios tour when I was a kid. That I saw it. Oh. Shoot, I went out on the Universal Studios tour. I don't remember the Back to the Future lot. You don't? No. Maybe I uh, missed you, that one. Uh, you got gypped. Gosh, I hope they didn't take it down. Due to the budget restrictions, Zemeckis was forced to rewrite the script and reuse the Town Square set. That's a great climax, by the way. Yeah, you mean like at the end with the, uh, yeah. you know, with the chords? And Dr. Yeah. Brown? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've definitely seen the movie before, but I was watching it. I'm like, ah! His face when he when it unhooks from the yeah. other end down near the ground. It's crazy. Classic. It's fantastic. Another surprising fact behind Back to the Future's creation lies in the casting of Marty McFly. 
Initially, Michael J. Fox, then a household name due to his role on the TV sitcom Family Ties, was not cast in the role, despite the fact that he was the Mechas' first choice. Instead, Eric Stoltz played McFly, and they actually filmed him in the role. Finally, after several weeks of filming, Zemeckis made the decision to replace Stoltz. So they were like halfway through filming. Holy crap. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure the people at the movie studio had a big headache for that one. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Oh, damn it. When Fox heard that he was wanted to play the lead in a Steven Spielberg production of Robert Zemeckis' film, he leapt at the opportunity, going so far as to film Family Ties during the daytime and Back to the Future at night. He often got very little sleep. (laughs) I would happily not get sleep either to work with the people on Back to the Future 2. Yeah. Well, Back to the Future 2, Part 2, or Back to the Future... As well. As well. Back to the Future as well, bro. Got it. (laughs) Got it. Cool. I mean, look, they're both good movies. The first one is magical. First one's better than the second one. I'll put it like that. Yeah. Even better than the second one. After filming was over... Zemeckis went to editing. At one point, to speed the film's pacing along, Zemeckis considered cutting what is now considered an iconic scene in which Marty McFly performs Johnny B. Good. Zemeckis' editor convinced the director to leave the scene in for a test screening. After the test audience's enthusiastic response to the scene and the film as a whole, Zemeckis left in the musical sequence. That's a great scene. Yeah, it's an absolutely wonderful scene. <laughs> It's like you you got to celebrate a little bit because now he's going to exist. He saved his parents. And like it's like he's he needs some stress relief after that. And that's exactly what he did. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 strange, you know, these these movies, these time travel movies because if you really think about it, none of them make any sense. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh like on a logical level. Yeah. I mean, what was so what was confusing about this? Well, nothing but without trying to get into to like you know, the timelines and space-time travel. Quantum theory like and time-space continuum. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Time flux capacitor. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, no. Um, it, it's not that it's confusing for me. It's just like, well, that doesn't quite make sense. Like, I mean, like, is it just his hand starts disappearing at, at one point. Yeah. Like, why Why doesn't his whole th- body, why doesn't he completely disappear? And uh, But it's really like an emotional logic, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's like, if the night they met never happened, you know... The, the story is never there. You know, the whole reason that they're in love is never there. So, yeah, it, it is very sweet. Yeah. Very sweet. And I thought um, I was uh, I kind of had forgotten about how his mom starts crushing on him. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And I thought he played it really hilarious and very well. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, but you're so hot. But you're so. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Very well done, Michael J. 1955. Yeah. <laughs> Doc, you you mean to tell me that you you built a time machine yeah. out of a DeLorean? That's my impression of Michael J. Fox in that movie. But quite well, quite well. Back to the Future was a box office smash due to the ending of Back to the Future in which Doc, Marty, and his girlfriend time traveled to the future. Audiences demanded a sequel. Zemeckis obliged, which led to two more films. However... Zemeckis said that he initially put it in the ending as a joke, not a cliffhanger. <laughs> Aw. See, that's kind of cool. Is it? I like, 
you know, now how they have all those internet campaigns like save the show or mm -hmm. make this happen. Yeah. You know, like online petitions. Like back then, like what did fans have to do to get their demands met? <laughs> like show up on TV, write letters. Paid a lot for the original to pay many times to see it over and over again. Oh, uh, okay. And the, the talk was there. Exactly right. Oh, okay. Ariana. Yes. Closing thoughts. Ooh. Closing thoughts on Back to the Future. Yes, ma'am. It's extremely well cast. Very, very good storyline. The creepy, would be creepy uh, mom being into son theme is not, uh, um, is not grotesque like it was with um, Star Wars a little bit. They were, I thought they were, never mind. I guess I just got a look from Andrew like, don't you dare start talking about Star Wars. What are you talking about? <laughs> Excuse you, like the brother sister thing? Is that what you mean? Yeah. Well, that was a mistake. They, I mean, they, they didn't know. It was an honest mistake, but the way it was played out just felt a little ickier than Back to the Future's like incestual connection. I, I, I feel the opposite, but all right. Oh really? Yeah. You were a little creeped out by the Back to the Future. Yeah, I mean, there's that, there's that scene where Marty McFly goes to his, goes to his teen father. You know. When he, when they're both teens and you know remember that where they're hanging up the clothes on the clothesline and uh... and he's talking to his dad and he's all because he's he, uh, he's telling him the plan about yeah. you know the dance night yeah and he's like well girls get mad when you take advantage of them yeah exactly and so basically he's like telling his fa his father that he's gonna pretend to take advantage like that whole thing that that's a really weird scene and that kind of creeps me out. I mean, uh, meanwhile, the Star Wars thing, that's just an awesome mistake. <laughs> that's true. That's true. This one's more, way more purposeful. Yeah. And his mom is definitely really thirsty. <laughs> I mean, that's one way to put it. <laughs> Desperately thirsty? <laughs> uh, she, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I'm staying out of that, that area. But, uh... <laughs> either way, either way, the movie's super well done. It, oh, it's really I, well done. Yeah, yeah. just... That part was a little creepy out a little bit, but I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, no, but that was just kind of oh, the uh, like the final thoughts. I think that they do it so well, and there's so many good laughs. And if you're somebody that does never lived through the '80s or understand how they worked, definitely watch this movie. <laughs> You'll understand a lot of it. Listeners, if you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for future episodes, shoot us an email at independentcreatorstudios at gmail .com. And if you are so inclined, please rate us and write a review on iTunes or SoundCloud. We'd love to hear your feedback. Behind the Flicks was created and recorded by myself and Ariana. I researched, wrote, and edited this episode. My name is Andrew Gentile. This has been an independent Creator Studios production. Oh.